And we're glad you're here. We've had a great day. Um, by now, I, I've got to admit, because it had been a while since I'd been used to preaching three services, so my brain gets a little tied up sometimes. So if I say something I've already said, you'll just excuse me for that. But I'm going to try to give you a word from the Word today that will encourage you and inspire you. And we've had really good response this morning. So take your Bibles and join me in Genesis 4. Genesis 4, again, we're going to be talking about the favor of God, okay? Look at this picture we've got. I love this image they put together for us when we ask about graphics. Normally, we come up back and forth with our graphic artist, and they do some nice things for us, and I can't help but think about fishing. You know, when I see that spot, I got some holes I want to throw uh, some lures into, and we had a good week of fishing. Took some boys, Bobby, uh, and uh, our family, uh, me and Bobby and some, some of our church guys here, we went out to the Outer Banks with a family member on their big boat and did some deep sea and had great success. Then Ted and I went yesterday morning before the sun came up. Um, any of y'all striper fish, striped bass, anybody other than me, Jesse, a few of us? Y'all got to learn to live, man. I'm just telling you, it's, we're in East Tennessee. There's a lot of water. We went down to the dam, and, and there was a couple of guide boats already there by the time we got there, even before the sun came up. They were catching nothing. When the sun was coming up, and uh, I saw a bait pile over near the other side. Ted was in the front, and I was in the back. I said, Ted, duck down. <laughs> so he ducked, and I threw right into it, and I tore into a whopper. I'm just going to tell you. I didn't realize as I was fighting that fish and Ted netted it, we finally got in the boat, big old nice striper. Uh, all of the people in the guide boat, first they were looking at their guide like, come on, bub, we're paying you for this. And they kind of folded their arms, sort of disgusting. So I kind of love that kind of thing that, uh, you know, we're talking about the favor of God. We had God's favor this week on the boat. So I'm just going to tell you, the fishing was good this week. Uh, right, Noah? Where's Noah? Right, Ben? Man, you guys were slaying them out there. These boys, it's unbelievable. And, and I th thought about this, the favor of God, and I think about my family. I look at Miss Cindy, and I think about Heather and, and Lucy and Parker. She told me to be sure to say Parker, so Parker too. Um, no, we love Parker. Uh, Sophia, she's coming in September. She's got a little more baking to do, but she's on her way. Sophie Scott, it's... And then I think, you know, I look at Holly and Hannah and such great kids and, and little Bobby, who's not so little, but he's, he's turning 16. He turned 16 today. Today's his 16th birthday. So tomorrow morning he goes to the Oak Ridge DMV. So y'all pray for everybody in Oak Ridge. And um, I called Geico and got the quote. So y'all pray for us as he goes on to our policy. But I thought, Lord, I know one thing. I know this. I don't deserve your favor, but I know you've given it. I look at my family, I look at this church, I look at our school, I look at what God's doing over here, not just with revising a worship center, that's not what it's about. I look at how you guys have taken to these changes, and you've been so gracious, and nobody's whining or complaining, or if you are, you're keeping it to yourself, thank you very much. I, I just believe the hand of God is on us, I can't help it, we've just had such an incredible year. We got Boom Bash. We got a great special guest that's coming in to share the gospel with the children. We're going to show you something at the end you're going to love today. Um, I'm so pleased and so humbled that God would allow me to be a part of this in any way. And, you know, I think even this facility, I look at this and I go back to the days when we tore everything down to build a new church uh, worship center and all in North Carolina. And we were meeting in a gym and I think there are so many churches around our country and the world that would kill just for this one building. They'd love it. But God's given us this campus with all these 350 some thousand square feet of space and 
church and school ministry and all this great stuff. And I want to do well. I want to not just start well, I want to finish well. And I think that when we look at the story like this of Cain and Abel, one did well. He still paid a very high price. Well, one didn't do well. And he let sin overcome him. And you're going to have a choice. And I really want you to listen today because you're going to have a choice. When, you, when your sin gets you, when, you, when you're caught, and I'll tell you a personal story in a minute. When you're caught, <laughs> you got a choice. But I want us to learn Genesis 4-7 together. This is a super important verse in the context of this passage. So let's learn it. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to stay in Genesis a while longer. And then probably in the fall when we start back to school, I'm going to get out of Genesis for a while. Because we've been in there since January and we need some New Testament. I don't want to be too much in the Old Testament all the time. So we're going to get out of it. Then we'll come back later and we'll do some more. We'll pick up some more chapters. <clears throat> but I want us to learn this verse together, okay? Let's look at it on the screens and look at it. It's a conditional statement, guys. If-then statements, I know it doesn't say if-then because it's in a question form, but if-then statements are all over the Bible. If you do this, then God will do that. If-then. This is written slightly differently, but it's still somewhat rhetorical. If you do well, will you not be accepted? You could change it. If you do well, then you will be accepted. God is promising Cain. God is promising us. And notice, if you don't do well, sin is waiting for you. It wants you. It wants to have you. Sin and Satan are there, but you should rule over it, meaning you can. God wouldn't say it if it was impossible. You can rule over it. Cain, Bobby, you can rule over it. So let's say this together, then we'll throw a few blanks in it. Ready? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Good. Let's throw some blanks in it. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, what is it? Sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Good. I want you to really start to get that. We'll have it a few more weeks in front of us. Let me talk to you a little bit about last week. Let's review, because we did communion. I had to take, kind of take this message and chop it up a little bit, but I want to go back and look. God cares about the faith in your heart more than the gift in your hand, okay? I'm going to show you that, I hope, from a, a very popular New Testament story in a moment. God cares about your character more than your contribution, your attitude more than your amount. And Cain, in our story, seems to be sort of a religious pretender, a hypocrite. We see no pleasure in his worship. We see that as his countenance falls. And in the favor of God, as we learn like from Hebrews when we cross-reference it, because Scripture interprets Scripture, we learn that it was by faith, by faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice. And that God looked upon Abel with favor, but he did not look upon Cain with favor. But it starts with the man, not just the offering. But the favor of God comes by faith. Let's reread the story. Stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. I'm going to look at uh, Genesis 4, 1 to 7. We'll stop at 7 today. Now Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I've acquired a man from the Lord. Now to, Cain means acquired or received, gotten from God. Then she bore again, this time, his brother Abel. Abel means breath, vapor, nothingness, vanity. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, we don't know how long, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. It didn't say first fruit, didn't say best fruit, but fruit of the ground. Probably a grain offering would be most likely. Abel also brought of the firstborn, that's important, of his flock and their fat. He's bringing the best. Now look, the Lord respected Abel 
and his offering. But he didn't respect Cain or look upon Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you so angry? Or why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? Again, in this context, if you do well, will you not be accepted? If you don't do well, sin lies at the door and its desire is for you. Think about that. It's toward you. It's aimed. The, the language there, and I, have, I think I forgot to share this in the other services, but the, the, the idea is it's aimed toward you. Specifically, sin is aimed toward you. But you should rule over it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful morning of worship. Thank you, Lord, for the transforming power of Christ who is still saving souls week by week by week, who's still changing people from the inside out. For Christians today, I pray you draw us closer and make us more like Jesus when we leave than when we came. For those that aren't yet Christians today, non-believers, the lost, may they be found. May they surrender and say yes to Jesus Christ. May their eternity and their entire direction be changed even now, whether they're in the building or they're watching or they're listening later. However they're tuned in, may their heart be in tune with you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you guys and be seated. So Let's think about it. I said God cares more about the faith in your heart than the gift in your hand, right? He cares more about your contribution, uh, your character than your contribution, your attitude than your amount. Is there a New Testament story where Jesus is, is watching what's happening and there's proof that he cares more about you than your gift? Is there a New Testament story? I think there is. Let me show you this. Anybody want to take a stab at what that is? Yeah, a widow's mite. Now, you have no perspective of size yet, so let me show you this. Here is a penny. And look at this. I mean, that penny is quite a bit larger than that widow's mite right there. And thank you to the Stampers for letting me borrow that. This most coin, and I have a coin expert in my first church. He had told me that this is one of the smallest coins ever minted. It had some of the least value. We got another picture up there just for perspective. Tiny, tiny coins, but in Mark 12, we find that this lady comes along, this widow, and she throws two of these tiny, tiny coins in the, in the coffer, in the, think about it like an offering bucket, if you will. She throws them in there, and Jesus said, boys, I want you to look at her. She gave out of all that she had, and she's given more than the rest. Now, listen to me. If you have a lot of financial resource and you're giving pennies, that's a problem. That's not what Jesus is saying. But what Jesus is saying is more than her amount, this is all she had. This is her faith. In fact, let me pull this thing back out. Does anybody remember what I showed you last week? Y'all know what that is? Can you even see it from in the back? That tiny little mustard seed. Jesus said, if you have faith like this, you'll move mountains. Now he's talking about this tiny, tiny little coin called the mite. Tiny little copper coin. And he's saying, look, this lady threw two of these in and she gave more than everybody else. And I want you to really get the fact that how you give is as important as what you give. And Jesus said that this lady gave in more than all the others because I believe she had a generous spirit, a contrite heart, a cheerful heart to give of all that she had. Maybe that was the last little bit of coinage for bread, oil, something that she needed to survive. And hopefully by now, and I hope you get that when I talk about giving, I'm talking about more than money. I'm talking about uh, all of yourself. 
Because worship is a matter of the heart, not a form. I'm going to argue Cain's form was essentially okay. Grain offerings were fine. Offerings from the ground were okay, but there was a matter of the heart. Maybe he didn't give quite as good as Abel, but it was God looking inside that mattered. And so I've made a statement here. If you're taking notes, and I hope you are, I hope that you remember the dullest pencil is better than the sharpest mind. And so by writing it down, you'll retain it better. And if you're a note taker, and I hope we got enough forms. I think they told me we were coming close to running out. Remember to always take a grace note because it's got important messages on the back, important things coming. But on the, on the front, if you do, do jot notes down, I've, I've written a statement here and said this, I believe there may be millions of people all over the world this morning sitting in church with the heart of Cain. And by that I mean their form is fine, but they have no faith. Now while that stays up for a minute, and again, if you're online, I'm sorry, we can't do both right now with where we are in this facility. You'll just have to look at that for a moment. But listen to my voice carefully. Have any of you sat in church, been involved, done things, maybe even you were on the roll of the church, but you knew in your heart you were not saved? And at some point later, you gave your life to Jesus. You followed through with baptism, and then you started really walking the road of salvation. But for a season, people may have looked at you and said, he's the real deal. She's the real deal. But you knew in your heart of hearts you were not. Is that anybody in this room? Anybody? Don't be embarrassed. We're not showing your face. Get the snapshot. I'm just kidding. Uh, We've done that in all three services. And in all three services, quite a few people everywhere across the room have said, yeah, I did that for a while. I don't know how long, six months, a year, 10 years, 20 years, a season where you had the form right, but the faith was not right. I just believe there are tons of people in our churches like that today. Billy Graham said in the 1950s, he estimated 50% or more of the American church pew was filled with lost people. And I think what we've got to come back to is say, look, how how do I give? Not just what, how do I give my time, talent, and treasure? Because God cares about all of it, your time. Every second is a gift from him. How are you giving it back? Your talent. Now, I know we can argue spiritual gifts are given to believers and talents everybody has. I'm going to say if you've got it, God gave it. If you have anything, God gave it to you. And whether you eat or drink or catch fish or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. You can do all this worship. I've told these guys, well, I know I've said to our students, that I had to see academics as an act of worship. Changed my life. I hated reading in high school, despised it so much that Cliff and his notes got me through. And by the time I go to seminary, I'm just telling y'all, I had to have a change. I would have never survived a master's, much less a PhD program, without having to just, I needed to learn to love this stuff and take it in so it wasn't to check a box and get a grade, it was to learn more about God. So that I could then tell other people more about God. And I'm telling you guys, we need to have time, talent, and treasure given in such a way that our heart is right, not just our externals. You can have, I've said this here because I believe it according to the text and according to books like James, you can have works without faith, but you can have faith without works. I think that's a very important statement. Biblical faith works. People will say, well, is it faith or is it works? Is it works or faith? Is it faith and works? Is it works and faith? No, it's faith works. When you talk about faith in the Bible, when you talk about works, things we do, faith works. Biblical faith will manifest itself with fruit, more fruit, much fruit, and fruit that remains. We can't help it. We are fruit-bearing trees. And if there's no fruit, there's a problem with the root, and we know that to be true. Abel's offering was a sign of his faith, but what about yours? When you give time, talent, and treasure, when you do it, why? 
Because God cares about the faith in your heart more than the gift in your hand. That's a freebie to finish up from last week. Number two, God comes to us in our failure. Did everybody have time to get all that? Anybody need more time? You won't admit it now. Okay, number two, God comes to us in our failure and offers us the strength to overcome sin. These two things are related, and it's incredible what we learn here in this text. Look back with me at five and following. God didn't look upon Cain or respect Cain and his offering. What's the immediate response? It appears no time passes here. There's no time stamp or indicator. Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord's beginning to question him as he had questioned his parents in the garden. Why are you so angry? Why is your countenance fallen? God doesn't question because he doesn't know. He's trying to get a recognition uh, from Cain's heart. But look, Cain, if you do well, you're going to be accepted here. Don't you understand that? If you're not going to do well, well, sin's ready for you. It has this desire. It's pointed at you, Cain. But if you don't give in, you can rule over it. Because greater really is he that is in me than he that is in the world. See, the truth is, all of us are going to fail at times. All of us are going to disappoint God at times. But when we fail, how do we respond? I failed last weekend. I think I, I, I don't remember what service I said it in. Maybe this one. But I failed. My, I was out on a date with my beautiful wife. And we were having a good time. And I think we were going to Sam's. Because you have to go to Sam's or Walmart when you have a date. And, or Costco. And so I, um, on Gallagher View, there are red light cameras on each side of the highway. And I was pretty sure I blew through one. I was distracted by her beauty, man. Give me a break. <laughs> Something like that. <clears throat> and I was pretty sure I blew through it. And she looked at me. And I looked at her. And I was like, uh, that's not good. Well, sure enough, after catching that Whopper yesterday, I get a message. She gets a you. USPS notification, and it said, well, you have a gift coming in the mail today, <laughs> and it said, red light camera notification, and I had a choice. Now, I've Googled that stuff like you have. I, I don't like those things. I think, in fact, I think they may be more dangerous, because I have found myself slamming on brakes at times, and there's a politician in North Carolina that says you don't have to pay it, and it's not really from Knoxville PD and this and that. But when I got home later in the day and did open the envelope and looked at it, guess what? I was way in the middle of that intersection. And that light was clearly red before I hit that white line. And it was no, there was no reason to be mad. It's 50 bucks. And so if you care, you can give to the Lewis Red Light Camera Fund. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It, there was no reason to be mad. There was no reason to say, Cindy, you were talking to me or this or that. There was no reason to be silly about it. I got online and I put my credit card number in. And I don't like that. I don't have to like it. But I believe enough in Romans 13 to say that the government's there for a reason and I did wrong. And you sometimes just got to put your big boy pants on and say, I messed up. I'll pay for it. Now, you can disagree with that. You'd be wrong, but you could disagree with that. But the reality is this, guys. I'm not the only one running red lights. I'm not the only one doing things wrong sometimes. It's a matter of how do we respond when we're caught and the camera flashes. How do you respond? When either by somebody else or the Holy Spirit or something flashing in your life and there is your sin staring you in the face. How do you respond? Cain didn't do the right thing. His heart was not rightly inclined to God. God revealed it, and then Cain's true colors came shining through. Sounds like a song. He is the first angry and depressed man in the Bible. 
He, he showed his true attitude and his despondency. And you can get angry, and Lord knows I have gotten angry over the silliest of things before, but when the Bible says Cain was very angry, literally the Hebrew there means it burned to Cain exceedingly. If I were to just word for word translate it out. It burned to Cain exceedingly. He was burning up hot mad because his brother got a kudos from the Lord. His baby brother got a thumbs up. And he got a thumbs down. And the green monster's eating him up. And there's another monster crouching at the door. And the Bible called that monster sin. Sin is there. Listen to 1 Peter 5, 8 to 10. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So it says resist him. Stand fast in the faith, knowing the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you've suffered a while, grow up, Cain. It's okay, Cain. You can do better. But after a while, God will perfect us and establish and strengthen, and he will even settle you. He will settle you. You can kick and scream and whine and cry all you want, but when your sin stares you in the the face, admit it, pay the price, and move on. Or... It could hurt those around you, even your brother. You see, I believe in, chat, in verse 6 and 7, God questions Cain for the same purpose he questioned Adam and Eve over in chapter 3. He is not merely attempting to elicit Cain's admission of sin. He wants him to admit his sin and repent and turn from it. Cain, you can overcome this. Cain, why are you so down? Why are you burning up, Cain? You have the strength to overcome this. See, back then, they were walking with God. Now, we have God living in us, Christian. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, boys, it'll be better for you if I go away. I'm going to die on the cross for your sin. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to be raised the third day. No, Jesus. Jesus, you can't leave us. Impetuous Peter said, no, Lord, may it never be. And he said, get behind me, Satan. Fellas, it's going to be better for you because then I won't just be walking beside of you on life's dusty road. I'll be living in you by my Holy Spirit because when, when I go, the helper comes. We have it even better than Cain. We have it better than Peter. We have it better than they did even in the days of the Bible. But you see, we think that Sin is there, and, and I've just got to give in. And Cain is more like those described in 2 Timothy 3, 5 that say there are people that have this form of godliness. I'm playing the game, but they deny its power. I don't want to just have a form of godliness. I want to live a godly life. And look, I've, I've read this in the Bible Knowledge Commentary. I'm going to tell you all, and this is an old thing. This commentary has been around forever, but it slapped me right in the face. And I thought, I've done the same thing. I love this statement. Watch this. Cain was so angry, he would not be talked out of his sin even by God. Have y'all ever done something and you knew before you did it, said something? I've done this probably more with my tongue than anything. I shouldn't say that. (laughs) I shouldn't do that. I know this won't honor God. I know this is not what the Lord wants of me. And yet you do it anyway. Although even the very Spirit of God could not talk me out of my sin. You know, if you think about that statement, he's so angry he'd not be talked out of his sin even by God. God's saying, chill out, man. Get over it. Confess and move on. I've moved on. Well, what's interesting here is that Eve had to be talked into her sin. Cain couldn't be talked out of his sin. 
Because the Bible says in 1 John 3, 12, he belonged to the evil one. I mean, think about it. It's almost as though he couldn't wait to get alone with his brother in the field so he could let the full wrath out. I said something here in my notes. I said what we're really witnessing here is a sinful man's solution to his own failure. Think about that. What you're witnessing in this story, and we'll see it next week. I've got a message for you called The Blood Cries Out. When we see him rise up against his brother, what we're seeing is a sinful man's response. You know what sinful people do when they get caught sometimes? They lash out to blame. Shocking, I know. I didn't do it, the woman you gave me. I didn't do it, the serpent did it. I didn't do it, she did it, he did it, they did it. Everybody's doing it to me. Woe is me, I'm a victim. This is our culture. This is our world. This is the worldview that many are teaching today. The, the reason I like guys like Jordan Peterson, I don't know, any of y'all watch Jordan Peterson? The reason I like guys like that is he says, grow up. Sorry, I didn't mean to. Grow up. You're in the spit zone, dude. It just is what it is. <laughs> Buy a tarp. So put your big boy pants on. Be responsible. Okay, you get her pregnant, then be a man. Okay, you've messed up, now move on. Be a man, get a job, take care of your responsibilities. Don't wait on somebody to pay your bills. Don't wait on somebody to do the right thing. The Bible says that if you don't take care of your own household, you've denied the faith, you are worse than an unbeliever. Be a man, be a woman. Step up to the plate. Yes, life is hard. No, it's not always fair. It's not fair that we get to be saved and we didn't do anything for it. But God lavishes his love on us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's not fair to Jesus. Jesus could have cried foul. Jesus was begging God in the Garden of Gethsemane, man, let this cup of wrath and shame and indignation pass from me. But not what I want, God. Not what I want. Ultimately, what you want. He submitted himself. You see, Cain tries his own solution but he pushes himself further from God. Now, do we do the same thing? Do you do, now, I know what some of y'all are going to say right out of the gate. Nope, 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 nope. I would never even dream of being a murderer. No way, man. Oh, really? Okay. 1 John 3, 15. Quote, whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. You ever hated anybody? You got any prejudice in your heart today? Any bigotry? Seriously, do you hate somebody? The Bible says you are a murderer. You don't understand, pastor? Nope, nope, nope. You don't know my situation. You don't know that woman I live with. It's like a dripping faucet, just like Proverbs says. I want to go live on the corner of my roof. We'll go, Bubba, and grow up on the way up there. Because clearly, if you've got a problem with somebody else in your life, you've got a problem with the God who made them in his image. Well, I don't like that because you don't understand the story. I understand the gospel. I don't need to know your story. I know his story. I know what Jesus responded to. I know how he loved people well. And you said, but, but the thing is, they're doing it to me. I don't hate them. They hate me. They've come at me. Oh, okay. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, if you bring your gift to the altar, I'm, I'm Cain, I'm bringing in the sheaves, baby. I'm walking in, I got my grain, I'm ready to go before the Lord. I've got my Bible tucked under my arm. Here I come, if you bring your gift to the altar, and there, remember, your brother has something against you. Leave your gift before the altar. Go your way. First be reconciled to your brother, 
Then come offer your gift. So whether you are the one hating or the one being hated, whether you are the one that is pushing against them, away from them, or they're pushing against you, the Bible says, Christian, grow up. It is time for reconciliation. First to God, then to others. We just say, I don't like this. Well, God didn't write the Bible to make us like it. He wrote the Bible to give us transformation. The Bible changes us. That's why we never read it to finish. We read it to be changed. We read it because it changes us. And I want to ask you a question today. How can we truly love God if we can't love our brothers and sisters? What's the answer? We can't. You cannot come into this place today and say you love God. You know, we had a horrible thing happen a while back, and I said we will have a zero tolerance policy. Do you know why? Because we are not going to be a church known by hate. We are going to be a people known by love. Now, love doesn't say come in, stay the same, never change. Love says come in and be transformed by the glorious gospel of Christ, by Jesus who can change you from the inside out. Love says we can change, and love says we can overcome evil. We can overcome hate. We can love people well. And Cain still retains the power of decision and action, but he chooses not to walk by faith. He chooses to walk by anger, by emotion. And any time I've ever been led by my emotion, I've gone down a dangerous path, when I'm simply led by humility before God that says, God, I've messed up here. I have made a mistake. I will pay the price, and I will hopefully learn something from this. I love learning. I love growing. I mean, I, so I grew up, my dad was an old Navy man, and, um, and, and we've had uh, lake place and boats. I've been on the water my whole life. If I'm not hunting, I'd like to be fishing or whatever. I just love the water. I love being out on the water. I loved this sailing adventure. And um, I learned a lot sailing. When we were in the British Virgin Islands, uh, that trip that they gifted to us, by the way, the McElroys are back down there hosting another group, and they work their guts out when they're hosting. It's not just all fun and games for them. Although it's glorious, it's beautiful, they're working there this week for the Cathy's and the wind-shaped ministry of Chick-fil-A. So listen, guys, when we were there, Captain Chip was awesome. He, he taught us. He said, come on, you, you, you love, you're a boater? Come on, I'm going to teach you some stuff about sailing. So I remember when we shut the engines down for the first time, because we had to be under engine power part of the time. And he said, all right, here's what we're going to do. And he gave us all the terms. And I said, Cap, I don't understand something. How, if the wind, if we're going this way and the wind's blowing straight at us, how do we get there? He said, you can't. What you got to do if, if the wind's blowing straight at you in a sailboat is you're going to have to zigzag or find a way where you can work with the wind, not against the wind. And so we had a pretty good headwind that, that morning, the first morning, and we, we uh, hoisted the sails. We all worked together and did little different things, and Cindy and I got up in the helm, and we were driving a little, and you shut the engines down. It gets super quiet, just the wind, and the sail, it catches. And it's not so much pushing the boat as it is being sucked. There's this negative pressure, and there's all these cool things that happen. And it was an amazing thing to watch. And then Jeff and Debbie, it's super quiet. And then Jeff and Debbie are like, we're going to Bluetooth to the sound system, and we're going to do our, our sailing playlist. And y'all know the very first song that played? I bet you could hear it. Sailing takes me away to where I'm going. Just beautiful, right? And we're out there and I'm thinking, Lord, what a gift. And I'm learning and we're seeing all of this stuff. And there was this great Christian missionary. Maybe you've heard of him. His name was Hudson Taylor. And Hudson Taylor was going to China. And he made the journey on a big sailing vessel, a big boat with sails. They didn't have engines then. 
and they neared the channel between southern Malay Peninsula and the island of Sumatra, and the missionary heard an urgent knock at his door. And Hudson Taylor opened the door, and it was the captain of the sailing vessel, and he said, Mr. Taylor, he said, uh, we have no wind. We're drifting toward an island where the people are heathen, and I fear they're cannibals. Well, Hudson Taylor said, uh, what, what do you want me to do? He was no sailor. And the captain said, well, sir, I've heard that you believe in God. I want you to pray for wind. And Hudson Taylor said, okay, I'll go before my God and I'll pray for wind. He said, but captain, you need to do something for me. Captain said, what's that? He said, you need to set the sail. And the captain said, oh, sir, you don't understand. My sailors will laugh me off this boat. I can't set the sail when there's no wind. That's foolish. And he said, okay, then I'm not praying for wind. And he said, I'll set the sail. And so he left and he began to do his job and Hudson Taylor hit his knees and he earnestly begged God for wind. It was about 45 minutes later, big knock at the door. The captain came back. He said, Mr. Taylor, Mr. Taylor, please stop praying for wind. We've got more wind than we know what to do with. You see, the reality is there are seasons in life where we see ourselves heading for an island of sin and we know there's destruction and we know there's pain and there may even be death over there and we don't know what to do and you don't feel anything happening. And where is God? God, where are you in this? What I'm telling you to do today is raise the sail of faith. I watched that big giant head sail go up and it was incredible. And when those sails catch the wind just right, man, that thing would boot, scoot, and boogie. And I'm telling you, you gotta set the sail of faith. Now, unlike the power of positive thinking garbage. I'm not telling you have faith in faith. I'm not telling you just believe in yourself. I'm not telling you just speak the word over and over and over. The Bible speaks against vain repetition. I am telling you to trust God even when you don't feel him. I'm telling you to believe that he's there even when you don't see him. I'm telling you to have faith that rises toward the heavens and then when the wind of the spirit of God catches his own, he will steer you from danger. He will give you a new opportunity, a new journey, a new destination. He will not allow your foot to slip, nor will you be dashed against the rock. The Bible is clear. Set the sail of faith and believe in God. Abel probably didn't know all that he was doing, but he set the sail and God commended his faith. Cain understood and yet he would not set the sail of faith. He set the sail of emotion. It reminded me here of an old hymn we used to sing. Maybe you know it. It said, come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord. And he will surely give you rest. You know the next line? By trusting in his word. Sing it if you know it. It goes, only trust him, only trust him, only trust him now. Why? Because it says, he will save you, he will save you, he will save you now. That's what I'm telling you to do. God says, believe. Out of your belief, there will be positive action. From that positive action, I will favor you. I will bless you. I will smile upon you. Because I care more about the faith in your heart than the gift in your hand. But when you fail... I will come back to you and offer you the strength to overcome your sin. Folks, listen, I'm just going to be very honest with y'all. I want God's favor. 
I see the hand of God on us. I see the hand of God on his church, on his school. I see the hand of God on our missions. I see the hand of God on our children, on our students, on these, these young people called to ministry. I want to live life for an audience of one. I want to put a smile on my father's face, and I'll see my heavenly father and my earthly father again one day. But I want to do it God's way. And I must admit there are areas of struggle in my life and sin where I just got to be honest and say, I blew it. <laughs> Went right through that red light, Lord. But I'll admit it. And I'll pay the fee. I'll learn from it. And I'll move on. I don't say, I didn't say I liked it. I didn't say I was singing God's praise putting my credit card number in. Probably should have been, but I wasn't. Might have said a few other things under my breath, but I was repenting and showing at least Knoxville or whatever company that is, you know what, you got me, I'm wrong. Many years ago in St. Louis, a lawyer visited a Christian to transact some business. Before the two parted, the client said to the lawyer, I've wanted to ask you a question, but I've been afraid to do so. Well, what do you want to know, said the lawyer. Well, I'm, you're a smart man. I just wanted to know why you're not a Christian. And the lawyer sort of hung his head, and he said, Well, I know enough about the Bible to know that it says no drunkard can enter the kingdom of God, and you know my weakness. No, no, you're avoiding my question, said the believer. The lawyer said, Well, you know, truthfully, I don't recall anybody ever explaining for me how to become a Christian. So with his permission, the client picked up his Bible, and he began to share with that attorney. And he basically said, you know what? All of us are under condemnation. All of us sin and fall short of God's glory. All of us struggle in many ways. And so, you know, Jesus, God's son, came to this earth. He was tempted but never fell to sin. And Jesus went to the cross to pay for my sin and your sin. All of it. Past, present, future. Jesus was buried and raised by the power of God the third day. And you can trust him today. In fact, you, he can be your sin substitute. And he can be your redeemer. You can be forgiven. But you don't get clean and come to God. You come to God and then he begins the cleaning process from the inside out. This is the gospel. Well, that made sense to this lawyer. And so right then and there, he said, I want to trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And he prayed a prayer kind of like this. He said, oh, Jesus, I'm a slave to drink. One of your servants has shown me how to be saved. Oh, God, forgive my sins and help me overcome the power of this terrible habit in my life. And he continued to pray a little bit. But, but according to testimony, right then and there, this guy was converted. And that lawyer who gave his life to Christ that day found the power to overcome the slavery that was attached to the bottle for him. And that guy's name was C.I. Schofield. Now, I hear by some of your grunts, unless you're just hungry, you probably know who Schofield is, right? Many of you know the Bible that bears his name, the Schofield Study Bible. I have several copies in my office. Maybe the most important work for many Christians, particularly in the West, maybe it informed more pastors and Christians than anything else. Now, I don't agree with all the notes in the Schofield Study Bible, but here's what I do believe. He was a great theologian who became a writer that people could understand, who influenced hundreds of thousands, if not, I believe, millions and millions of people to know God's word and to know God better. And I don't know what sin is crouching at your door. I don't know the sin that so easily besets you. Is it drink or anger or jealousy or lust or running red lights or a million other things? I will tell you this. I will not tell you her name, although I will tell you it's not my wife. 
I didn't get permission to share her name, so I won't do that. But someone that I know and love dearly struggled with smoking for many, many years of her life. And decades ago, she had tried everything. She paid a hypnotist. Um, she did the gum. She tried the patches. She said when she rolled them up and lit them, they tasted terrible. So she had tried everything, right? And she could not get over it. But one day in church, she shares the story of going to an altar. Not terribly unlike this, because I know the church she was in. And um, this is a long time ago. But she get, gave it to God, and she said, I can't do this. I don't want to do this anymore. There were financial reasons and health reasons and stewardship reasons and I want to give this to you. I need you to take this from me. And the way she described it, she just kind of got overwhelmed. She got up, and she never again picked up another cigarette. The taste changed. The wants changed. And to this day, I know that uh, she does not struggle with that at all. Now listen, whatever smoking thing is in your life, whatever burning sin you have, I'm just telling you, don't go to God last. Go to God first. Don't try all of man's ways and then think, oh, well, maybe I have to take that to the Lord. God already knows. He knows your heart more than, he, he sees your heart as well as your hands. So you can be here and you can be fooling us. You can fool me, you can fool your folks, you can fool your spouse, but you're not going to fool the Lord. As Jeff comes up to, to play this song one last time before we leave, I know you can be used greatly for the glory of God. I never knew where following the Lord would take me or my family, but I believe we're right where God wants us to be at this season of our life. And I will tell you that God's given me exceedingly and abundantly more than I could ask or think. But God will come to you and to me in our failure and offer the strength to overcome sin and Satan. And that's not the power of positive thinking. That's not to set the sail because you believe in the sail. I did not have to get on a sailboat to know that the sail has no power in and of itself. And your faith in faith has no power. But your faith in God can move mountains. So I want you to set the sail. And I want you to enjoy the favor of God. Stand with me this morning. Listen, if you don't know Jesus, you don't have the power to overcome sin and Satan because you don't have the person of the Holy Spirit. So you need to get saved today. You say, but, but, but I'm a drunk. I need to straighten him. No, no, no. Listen to the testimony of Schofield. Give it to God and let him do the cleaning. But I struggle with this. Give it to God and let him do the cleaning. If you've been pretending, if you've been playing church, if you've never rightly given your life to Jesus, maybe you went through the water as a child, but you really got saved later, I would say you've never been baptized. You need to get that right. We would love to do that. We're trying to schedule people for Boom Bash right now. We're going to have a bunch of stuff going on that night, including baptisms before fireworks. Because to me, when you're baptized and you show the world what God's done in your heart already, I believe there's some kind of great party going on in glory and the heavens are celebrating. Now we're going to light up the skies to show the celebration of new life in Christ. I want you to come today. You can talk to me or Cindy. You can talk to pastors and counselors available. You can come and lay some things before God. Whatever that that's smoldering sin is, why don't you give it to the Lord? You say, well, now that you've said that, if I walk up there and pray today, they're going to know I've got something. Well, that's your pride. Kill it and come forward. Don't worry about what they think. Everybody knows we're in this together. When I say amen, you guys, and even when I pray, you can start coming. The altar will be open. Thank you so much for watching us today. 
God is doing absolutely amazing things in and through our Grace Baptist Church family. If you'd like to share anything the Lord is doing in your life, feel free to reach out to us through our website or our app. And if you're ever in the Knoxville area, come by and worship with us and our family of faith here at Grace Baptist Church.